Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm fearing we're slowly sounding like two middle-aged men now. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> taking stock of life. Like, what's happening? Are we ill? <laughs> this is like therapy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ramin Karamlu, and welcome to my podcast, The Hang, where I get to hang out with some of my friends and get some much-needed face-to-face time and talk about, well, whatever. Today I'm hanging with Simon Bailey. Simon is a great buddy of mine. Our time together has never passed without multiple laughs. He has a big, infectious, positive spirit. He has done incredible things on stage around the world. He has starred in The Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, We Will Rock You, Parade, which he was critically acclaimed for and nominated for Best Supporting Actor in the Broadway World UK Awards. These are only a few of the many, many roles and shows Simon has done. He is also a founder member of Theaterland's first supergroup, Teatro. Teatro reached gold status just after three short weeks. That made Teatro the fastest selling musical theater act of all time. As you can imagine, time flew by when we got to hang and only touched the surface with his career, life, and whatever else our conversation naturally flowed into. I love any moment I get to spend with Simon. I love him dearly, and I'm grateful we got to hang. Folks, here's part one of my hang with my buddy, Simon Bailey. So isn't this weird? Well, it is weird. It is weird because then I haven't seen you in a long time. So I was trying to work this out. And was the last time I saw you in, like, saw you, saw you, was in New York? Why New York? See, I, my, do, do you remember? I thought it was some, another time. See, I can't remember because you were, you, I'm sure you were doing Anastasia. Okay. And I was over, wait. Oh, what? we sang in my dressing room. No, that was when you were in Les Mis. No, because it wasn't, oh, it was. I came to meet you for breakfast around the corner from the theater. I'm sure it was. Why were you in New York? Because I had just finished doing a cruise and I had a day in New York before I was flying back. Right. And because I had that time, I got in touch with you and I said, oh, look, I've got like six hours. And you said, okay, cool, let's meet for breakfast. And I'm sure that's the last time I saw you, which is crazy. So that's not as long as I thought it was. I thought last time I saw you was a West End Live gig where you were doing with the Jersey Boys. Oh, Oh. But if it was Anastasia, then it would have been 2017. I think it was just after that because I think I, after the, because after I did Jersey Boys, because then there was a little bit of time so I could do things like, so it must have been that because that was when I was going to do the cruise or some of those cruises with um, the Knights. So I was doing that and then that was a transatlantic. And so we had a day, which was kind of like a great, a nice kind of free holiday thing. And because I know I've got some friends in New York, I thought that would be good to catch up with them. And then, obviously, you were doing the show. I didn't have time to see the show. Right. That was it. I didn't have time to the show because I was going to be flying back in the evening. <clears throat> and that's why we met up for breakfast. I remember now. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that weird? Because I've seen you probably three times in the last four or five years. Yeah. Twice in New York. Twice in New York. And once at Western Life. Yeah. Why is life on fast forward, man? Well, because I think it's... It, that's, it's such a good question because I think everyone, we all have this thing, don't we, of trying to keep up with people and trying to do the best we can to step with people. But you just, I mean, one person gets really busy and the other person's not. And the other person gets really busy and that's just how things go, isn't it? And you try your best to keep up and see everybody, but it's just, it kind of gets impossible because everyone's on a different schedule. But back when we were in Phantom together, yeah. life wasn't this fast. No, I don't think so. But then, 
I guess variety kicks in, doesn't it? I suppose. I mean, back then, of course, you know, it we just. I mean, you gone super busy, and you were starting to do stuff all over the place. <clears throat> you know, so you were kind of in different countries here, there, and everywhere. And <clears throat> excuse me, because you've done a lot of stuff in Japan, a lot of stuff in America, and all that stuff. So it becomes more and more difficult, of course, when you when you country hop. Then it becomes mm -hmm. more difficult. Um, but yeah, I just think everything does become faster. I think it's, or maybe you're just more aware of it. You know, as you get older, I suppose, maybe you're just aware of time you don't see people or you, what you want to see people or I think just time just does funny things to you um, and life takes over and things happen and you roll with those and you deal with whatever comes your way and then sometimes that means you can't keep up with as many people as you'd like to. Yeah, I'm fearing we're slowly sounding like two middle-aged men now. <laughs> oh, you know, it's <laughs> taking stock of life, like what's happening, are we ill? <laughs> this is like therapy. <laughs> Well, hence that's why I'm doing this podcast called yeah. The Hang, because I miss hanging. I miss yeah. my friends. I miss, you know, uh, not texting. Yeah. Having eye-to-eye -eye contact, face-to-face yeah. -face time, you know. And, yeah. you know, they, it's a thing. They call them smartphones, but they're yeah. not making me any smarter. Well, do you know, actually, I read this, th really, this really cool thing the other day, which I think is so, um, it's so kind of indicative of the time, if that might not be the right word, but I'm going to say it. Say what you want, brother. But, um... Someone called, you know, you know, Americans call them cell phones. And they, they say, well, you're, they call it a cell phone because mm -hmm. you're trapped within it. You're, you're imprisoned in it, you know. That's, right. And I thought, actually, that's quite a nice little thing to think about because we are now. I mean, you know, the amount of people, this is the thing, isn't it? You walk through, I don't really come into central London very much um, unless I'm working or you, you have to come into it or something because it's really, really busy. And <clears throat> everyone now is as busy as it gets on Oxford Street, Regent Street, which are busy anyway. Everyone is now face down texting or looking at a map or looking on whatever and no one's looking up and it's no one's taking stock of what's around them and stuff and and yeah this is sounding again <laughs> like an old boy's run but it's <laughs> get me my pipe <laughs> where's my slippers <laughs> but it's that thing isn't it i think we are we're all slave to our phones and i think unfortunately we kind of have to be with to a certain degree but it is nice to do things like this, like when you when you text me and ask me to come and do this, it was such a great thing because we just get to hang out and chat, and that's and, the best thing about it. And I gotta be honest, it was hard for me to finally commit to this with Sony, who have been so great to kind of help make this happen. Yeah. But it's that I like like you just said, I never come into London. I never come into London. Yeah, I haven't been in London since <laughs> I well, I don't come to London unless I need to be. And that's partially why I miss doing West End shows because yeah. there was a camaraderie there's a, a you know you get to see people even just meet up for coffee before a show yeah so now to meet up with mates when I live out in Essex well again that's another thing isn't it it all depends again where people live a lot of people are moving out of London now as well mm. <clears throat> you know so I think it becomes more and more tricky and People grow up and they have kids and it becomes more difficult to organize their time. I've just got, I've got a few friends who live really close to me, like really good friends of mine. You know, they've got young kids. <laughs> I'm trying to take off my jacket. Remember that I'm workshop we did for Houdini? It's stuck. like watching that. <laughs> oh, did we do that together? We did, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, go on. So your friends are, you live nearby your friends. I'm sorry for those. Listeners, what I just saw was. For five people <laughs> listening to this, I was just trying to take off my jacket for the past minute and I was stuck. I was quite worried for his safety. <laughs> He's sweating. I started sweating and panicking. I'm like, I can't get this off. <laughs> the look of fear that flashed past your eyes just then. It was like you were drowning. I was concerned. 
Carry on. Yeah, I don't even know what I was saying. You're, uh, where you live, you got friends that live yeah, nearby. Yeah, so I got friends. So literally, I got friends who live one mile away from me. I've known them for 15 years. Like best, like such good friends of mine. They had for, they had kids recently. They're now into the toddler phase. Mm. Um, and literally, to meet up with them for an hour, they have to put this entire plan into place, and that can work or it can't. I mean, I've, I've like I've, I've arranged to meet them on Sunday, and he said, "Well, look." In theory, I can do this, but then, you know, maybe I'll have to pull out because of whatever reason. So things just get in the way, don't they? Yeah, and it's just getting that <clears throat> balance. It's getting that balance of you still, you know, you're like me, ambitious. Yeah. And you want to keep furthering your career and, you know, you have to show up. Of course. But you also, we we know what's important, you know. I think when I talk about, you know, it takes 40 minutes or 50 minutes to get into London. You have to plan that, plan getting home. But, you know, you you... You get what you give yeah. with relationships, and that's Absolutely. what's important, right? Yeah. It's maintaining them, really, and it's how you choose to maintain them or how you go about maintaining them, I think, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because it's one thing to, to you know to, to keep in touch, but actually it's the face-to-face things like this. They're, they're the ones you, you – that's the best, really. It's, it's, it's the best way to do it, but they're often the, the hardest to, to do. And ironically, this is, I guess, still straddling – work and yeah you know connection but i figured if it's a start it gets me out it gets look i get to see you now yeah. finally and hopefully this is planting seeds for things off mic yeah but you know i think you're like me in a sense with your social media as well you want to have i guess what they say content mm. some positive stuff not just because i find i've been doing less on there especially like my uh one of my news resolutions was no selfies yeah because even on the train coming in, too, I see uh, someone doing taking 20 minutes to take a selfie. Yeah. And I'm watching her <clears> do these, like, filters. And when I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. I had the same thing yesterday. I was <clears throat> I was on the bus going to see um, – my sister was viewing a flat. Um, and I, I tried to go and see her, but I was on this bus, and this bus was stuck. I mean, that's boring. But I saw this girl. She was obviously getting bored. So she was looking through her phone. And she was going through – she must have taken it – was, it was all the same pose. It was all the same thing because I was right over her shoulder and I was obviously looking at it. But she had like 20 pictures which were exactly the same. And she was flicking through them, flicking back. I was like, they're all the same. What are you looking for that's different? No. I don't understand. And we're all becoming <clears throat> obsessed. This is uh, – my my favorite thing is now um, – uh, Instalize. I mean, that's Instagram is Instalize. It's it's a projection, I think, of your um, of of a, of a better version of of self or something. And I think that's um, you know, I think we can all we can all do that a little bit. But it's true. <clears throat> but I think, unfor- but unfortunately, it becomes this thing where where younger people certainly who have grown up with this rather than us, we we didn't grow up with this. No. So it's a bit like a novelty, like. Well, that doesn't really make any sense. But the people who've grown up with it, they see these like projected images of, you know, these perfect looking people. And they think that's how they want to look or that's how they want to be. And I'm like, but that's not how it is. It's not. And it's a bad, it's a bad message to send out. But we're all, but we all feed into it. So we're all hypocrites in that respect. 100%. I am too. I posted a fitness one yesterday and it took me a good half hour of like, should I, shouldn't I? Yeah. Do I do it? Why do I want from this? What am I posting this for? Yeah. Still fucking post it. <laughs> <laughs> but I put the workout as well to kind of helpfully, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, <clears throat> of course there's vanity involved. And, of course. But there's also, I guess, a pat on my own back for the work yeah. we do for whatever, you know, yeah. like, but it, and I'm hoping it does inspire as well. When I see some of your fitness posts, it yeah. does get me going. Yeah. I'm like, okay, 
he showed up, so I'm going to show up. Exactly. And it do, I think it does help in that respect. I think if, you, if you're seeing other people doing that, you're like, well, yeah, I, I should go and do an hour now. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it does do that. And I think there are a lot of positives. I'm not, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's all a negative because it's not. No. And I think social media is good, especially for us as actors. It is something that we have to keep putting out. That's, it, it's all a networking thing. I think there is... It just depends Honestly. how many times or yeah. what you post or things like that. I think that's what it is. I just think if you're being true to yourself, and that's what I'm still trying to work towards and make sure it's a good uh, representation of who I am as an artist more yeah. than anything. I don't want people to necessarily know me personally. Yeah. You just I don't want to live my life on there. And I know you have some things, people do. Yeah, And that's course. fine if you're comfortable with that, if you want to engage like that. But I want to use it as a promotional tool. Yeah. As a gratitude tool. Yeah. You know, because... I do have a good support system that's yeah. gathered over the years. That's why I'm doing this podcast as well. So they can meet you. Yeah. Or for some who don't know you yeah. or have this conversation. And I want to also celebrate connection, relationships. Yeah. And uh, I guess we can do that in real time. Exactly. Exactly. And it's it's a very real, very tangible thing, isn't it? Because if you get to, you post that tweet out or something saying, thank you all so much for coming to X event, <clears throat> you know, because you haven't got time to go and say it all to, to everyone personally. Or, you know, whatever, or if you have to go and shift off or whatever. But, you know, it's it's a good way of saying thank you. It's a good way of showing that gratitude and saying thanks for buying the tickets. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for buying the album. Thanks for... Yeah. It's it's a nice way of just kind of having that that little bit of connection with everybody who supports you over the years. Yeah, and I think if you are true to yourself with it, it becomes a lot of fun. Like I used to do the storyboards when I used to take Hadley to school. Yeah. He hated it. I loved <laughs> it. It was so much fun. Yeah. You know? I like... I miss doing stuff like that. Yeah. Anyhow, brother. Yeah. So years apart. Yeah. Man, you've done quite a bit of stuff, brother. Yeah. And I thought, well, how far do we go back? The things that came to my head, I'll just randomly throw out stuff. And yeah. I want to know the experience about it yeah. because I was like, oh yeah, he did that. He did that. Weakest link dressed as Raoul <laughs> Vicomte de Changi. Yes. Well, that was that was mental <clears throat> because now, that was we should because Weakest Link is a game show which is no longer on air here. That's right. Yeah. Who was the host? So it was Anne Robertson was the host. Um, you are Weakest Link. Goodbye. You are Weakest Link. Goodbye That's with a little it. wink. Um, right. You know. Uh, yeah, and that was crazy because that was it was when I'd first. I think that was in my first week of Phantom. You know, so we're going back. It's two thousand and eight because mm. when I joined. Um, and I got this random, this email through to saying, do you want to go on this, um, West End Weakest Link thing? And so, uh, of course I said, yeah, it sounded like fun. And it was, so it was myself, it was, um, Summer Strallen, Ryan Malloy, Matt Rawl, Rachel Tucker, um, I mean, there was, there was loads, but it was, it was just a really good fun day. And it was like, it was just, just a silly day. It took, um, I can't remember how long it took, <clears throat> but we filmed it and it was all based around musicals, obviously, yep. you know, and, oh, Diane Pilkington as well. Cause Pilkey, yeah, who lovely. I loved a bit. What a great bunch of people. <clears throat> it was such a good bunch of people. And that's what made it the most fun because I think Ryan had just started in Jersey Boys. So that was, that was when Jersey Boys just begun. And there was a huge buzz about that. Thing. And him, and him, of course, you know ju exactly because he and he was like talking because he was the lead singer of Frankie goes to Hollywood at that point and all that stuff. So it was having really interesting little stories come out. It was like sort of doing this, but in for five minutes. You know what I mean? With each person and kind of saying the kind of things they'd done or 
were on to do next or whatever it was. Um, and we all just had fun. We all just had fun. It was it was a silly day. There was no pressure on it. Everything was, all the money that was going towards it was going to charity. So everyone, it was a nice thing for that. Everyone was dressed up as the characters. Yeah, I remember you know, that. So it was really fun. You know, it was just a really, really fun day. Were you the weakest link? I wasn't the weakest link. Um, and still to this day, I... Um, uh, I take umbrage with Diane Pilkington because she <laughs> voted me off. <laughs> Why did she vote you off? Because I think it was all tactical because it sort of started to become the guys against the girls. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. Oh, right. They they would use tactics. So and they she would... was right next to me. I was stood next to her because she was Glinda at the time. So I guess sometimes you would vote off who you think was the smartest because you think, get them out. Basically, I yeah. the rankings. Well, that's the thing, you know, because we were, the, the, you know, the ones that went out first. <laughs> Had to go out first because <laughs> there was some real answers. Who in was there. the first one who went? Come on, Rachel Tucker was the first one. Oh, out. bless her! Rachel Tucker was the first one out, and I think she was a bit like, "Oh, what's going?" On? We were all a little bit like confused about what was going on because we're like, "Oh, we're playing, we're playing the weakest link now." It was, it was, it was kind of surreal. Not Rachel. <laughs> she wasn't playing, but um, no, she was ace. But it was just like um, we all then started to kind of twig onto the game, and then it was. Well, you're actually quite good, so we should vote for you. But I saw Diane, it was um it must have been like a week afterwards. And I didn't know that well at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we I walked into this after a show and I walked into this bar, it was a Saturday night, and she just within minutes she brought over this shot of Sambuk and went, I'm really, really sorry. Oh, that <laughs> yeah. is so much like her. She would do that. <laughs> yeah. Too. And of course I've got to know her really well now, because I just did this show with her uh, called Whisper House, I say just a couple of years ago. Um and we became really, really good friends. And um, in fact, while I was on tour with Jersey Boys and we were playing Aylesbury, she sent me a message just about four, four, six weeks before it was coming and saying, do you have a, do you have digs for Aylesbury? Because I live 10 minutes from there and you've got a house whenever you want it. Oh, so I stayed with her for, I stayed with her for two weeks, her and her lovely family. She's an incredible oh, human man. being and an insane artist. Insane. I mean, absolutely. I mean, one of the very best. And she now, now we we kind of joke. We're now like brother sister. We got like theater brother and sister. And oh, I, yeah, I love the bones of her. She's she's such a great person. Tell me and about brilliant. Whisper House. Whisper House was a really strange experience because that I didn't know about. <clears throat> Whisper House it. was straight after Jersey Boys London, and. Someone had asked me to do it and I didn't know anything about it. So I was a bit like, I, I don't know what. Anyway, so Simon Lipkin had come to watch one of the last shows of Jersey Boys. And I said, so what are you up to next? And he said, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing this thing called Whisper House. I was like, oh, someone just asked me to do that. So he said, well, well, let's do it then. He was then he was like, he said, Di Pilkington's doing it. Neve Perry's doing it. And I was just oh, like, man. so I rang the next day and I was like, I am so in. So do you, isn't that something, is that something you look towards? So if you get an offer or, you know, an interest in something, what's your first question besides how big's the part or (laughs) something like that? Or do you think who else is working? Who's the director? Well, that was, it was a good one because it was written by Duncan Sheik who wrote, um, who wrote Spring Awakening and American Psycho and like awesome. And it was this story and basically it, it, it centered around, it was set in this lighthouse. Um, and basically the lighthouse was haunted by these two ghosts the ghosts were then played by me and Neve Perry. Um, and, and she's it was, so ethereal. Man. Oh, man. Like, she couldn't have been more perfect for that part. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was just this kind of like, um, kind of semi-rock style musical. Uh, once again, a lot of like freedom because we couldn't, obviously the characters couldn't see us, but we had magic involved with it. So we would do things like, 
there was one scene where Simon uh, was was smoking and they'd attached this like little bit of fishing wire to the cigarette. So when he took the cigarette out of his mouth, I would kind of raise my fingers up and the cigarette would lift into the air and then back down and he would then take a drag of the cigarette again. So it was like little things like that, <clears throat> which were really good fun. Um, it was, it was a strange, a strange show. Um, because it was kind of on one hand, it was two people singing songs and then it was a story that ran in the middle of that, but they didn't quite marry. That was the thing. And it was great. To, you know, you never know what you're getting into in something new. And I think it's always good to take little risks like that because you never know what you're getting into. Um, the well-worn path is not always the right path, you know, but it's just good to take a risk and see what happens. And I don't think, I don't think the show necessarily set the world on fire, but we had such an amazing time doing it. Like, again, I mean, listen to that group of people. We were all in the same dressing room pretty much the whole time. Um, we had a blast. Isn't that great when you, um, especially like when you do big shows and you're playing a part or the lead, you get your own room, everything, you say, oh, that's cool, you yeah. get your own room. But man, when you get to share and you're a company, you're yeah. a family, you're all in it together. That's it. You're all there as artists creating something. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I love that. <clears throat> you know, and we had that thing, like I think the girls were in a separate room, but we were just, we were together the whole time. I mean, just laughing. Especially for a new piece that's got a short run. Yeah. I think the more you are as a, a unit yeah. and a family. And of course, I think, you know, we, we all kind of knew that it was it was what it was. Is there and a cast recording? No, no, no. Uh, oh, well, no, there is. I mean, there's, there was a concept album, which Duncan did himself, because it started off as kind of a folksy. And I listened to that, and some of it was really great. And I was kind of interested to see how you were going to throw a story in there as well because the concept album was kind of like a story, but it wasn't the story that was told. So it was just an interesting time. So where was this put on? The Other Palace. The Other Palace. Yeah. They do some great stuff. Man. Really good stuff. I mean, this is what people are needing. This is, and I mean, it, what, was it Paul Taylor Mills who produced it? I think it may have been, or it might've been The Other Palace just as its banner. But this is where I love what, what Paul Taylor Mills is doing, is that he's taking things which no one would really sort of back or trust or think of, and he's giving it a platform. This thing, MT Fest, which he's doing, it's like little snippets of, yeah. I didn't get to see it because I was on tour, but, but I read things about it. And you put on things that are obscure and you get an, an audience or a platform for it and then you put it on. You know, I think what he's doing is brilliant. Wait, so MT Fest, is that where they had a different artist every night? No, so oh. MT Fest was kind of like, um, they would have 20 shows. And they would get five actors and it would all just be stand up, read the script, learn the thing and do it all in like f two days. But you would just give it, you'd Amazing. give it a voice, you know, you'd give, you know, f you know, from page to stage kind of thing. It's sort of like what they do a lot of this in New York, obviously a little bit on a bigger scale because yeah. there's more funding and there's more. Are they called lab? Is, it, is that called a lab? Well, there's that, but there's also like the encores presentation, what we did with Parade um, Secret mm. Garden, Chess, yeah. where you still have the book in hand. Yeah. You semi-stage it. And it's that thing, obviously, because there is more funding for it there and you have a week or two of rehearsals. Yeah. You come in thinking you're going to hold the book, but then you get into it. You get you, into it and you know oh, we can Let's do this on this bit. And yeah. Because it becomes so much fun. And I think, I, I sometimes almost prefer doing that because you leave so much to the audience's, their own imagination yeah. to put the set together in their head and yeah. what they experience. It's a great ride. It's a great, yeah. And I think that was, it was such a good idea of him to do that. And because it sounds very, very similar to, to that, 
to that thing mm. just a shorter a shorter time. So Paul Taylor is, and he's a young guy, right? Young guy, and he's just started this um, this theater in Battersea called the Turbine Theater. So what he, I think he left. Um, oh wait, they're doing High Fidelity, right? That's right. Yeah, which has got a week left, I think, and I because it's it's really close to to where I live. So Have I'm you gonna, seen it? No, I'm gonna, probably going to go next week. I've heard great thing. Yeah, and you know, it's again, it's something that. Um, hasn't been given too much of a voice before. Some people sort of know of, but aren't quite sure about. And I think just having people's intrigue, I mean, it's great to have these huge shows up in the West End, which are, yep. you know, they because they do great things. I think we need <clears throat> all the sort of like seeds being planted as well. And I exactly. think they all can feed and help <clears throat> each other. Yeah, Anything that can help theatre is, is a bonus, really. I mean, just kind of uh, making the same decisions and putting the same things on. Is fine for one thing, but I mean, in terms of longevity, in terms of keep keeping people's interest, I think you have to do what Paul's doing, and that's taking risks and going. This might not make a shit ton of money, but it's going to get out there, or it might do, you know. But it's just getting things out there which people wouldn't necessarily go. Oh, I want to go and see that, but he's making them accessible enough so you can go and see them, and it's you know, and you can take a risk on watching stuff because I think. As a as a nation, I suppose, or maybe it's, it's across the board. I don't know. I think we're sort of becoming. We need to know what we're watching before we watch it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, there's a lot of movies being made into musicals, and there's you know all that kind of stuff. And I think it's kind of well. Oh, I know what I know what that is. I trust that. Yeah. I can trust spending seventy pounds on a ticket because I know I'm going to enjoy it, rather than going. Don't know what that is. Might not like it. Not going to go. Yeah, and that's what Paul's doing. He's, you know, he's kind of making these these shows very affordable to go see, which is great. Which is great, and everyone, you know, can afford to take those chances, which is brilliant. A lot of these shows, man, got great talent on that stage. Great talent, yeah, great talent. I mean, the guy uh, Oliver Ormson, who I've done a few gigs with um, in the past, he's uh, he's uh, leading that show. And he's a super talented guy. He's had great write-ups. Yeah, super talented guy. Um, you know, so um, these are all, it's, it's all positive stuff. Amazing, man. It's all good stuff. So, <laughs> tell me about, man, I think our first time that we really met. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. <clears throat> on. That we really met was auditioning for Teatro. That's right. Yeah. Because. And where was that audition? It was that. Piccadilly? Yeah, no, do no, you know, it was... Leicester Square Theatre. The yes. first one was in the Spice of Life pub. <laughs> Holy crap. That's yeah. Right. Remember, it was downstairs where they do the open mics. It was down there. <clears throat> and then the recalls were in Leicester Square. So, holy shit. So, yeah. Spice of Life, what did we do that day? We were all, it was kind of all getting to rant, like different groups. They gave us a piece. We learned some harmonies. That's right. And then they would kind of take people out or keep people in, move everyone around and see what worked and what didn't and blah, blah, blah. And it was there. Was that an all day thing? That was an all day thing, yeah. And then they said, come back. Yeah. See, my memory starts at the Piccadilly. So, yeah. So the Leicester Square Theatre was when they'd cut, I think, like 75% of the people. <clears throat> and then, do you remember, we all stood in like a line mm-hmm. in the Leicester Square Theatre, like this close to a recording contract with Sony and just, just it was like shooting ducks in a barrel, you know, because we were all I just like... I was one of those ducks, man. <laughs> Round one, Ramin. <laughs> Shit. <Yeah. laughs> 
I went, bye-bye. What? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> no, it was the right choice. I wasn't, I was all <clears throat> over the place. No, you weren't. I think it was, they, um, you were just going to be a huge star somewhere else. <laughs> so you made it and it was you, Stephen Roman Hughes. Me, Stephen Roman Hughes, who I saw the other day, actually. Yeah. I haven't seen him for a while. Um, Andrew Darbyshire. No, Dar- Andrew DePalacki. Who's Andrew Darbyshire? Andrew Darbyshire was, he was a Galileo and we were rock you. That's right. <clears throat> Amazing singer. Britain's Got Talent. A good friend of mine. He's a brilliant singer. Wait, he was on Britain's Got Talent? Yeah. Doing... He got to the singing. He was in the, uh, a couple of years ago, three, two, three years ago. As a soloist? Yeah. Got good to the semifinals. Did really, really good. well. Yeah, did really well. Well, big shout out to Andrew Darbyshire, yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't in teatro because the Andrew in teatro was... Andrew DePalacki, who, oddly, was a, um, I went to school with. I've known him since I was 13 years old. Was he blonde? He was blonde. He was blonde. And tall. That's right. Six foot four. Not as tall as the guy we saw today. <laughs> a security guard. He must wow. be pushing six he's foot on, eight, six he's foot nine. He's on seven. I mean, that guy was big. That's who you want on security. <laughs> yes. When you walk into a corporate yeah. office building. Kind of wanted to say, is it cold up there? I didn't want to say Don't it. Don't say case. that. You no, can't say But you didn't, which is I great. I didn't say that. You can't. No, because it's nice. Like it. So... Just real quick, Andrew Darbyshire, <laughs> is he blonde as well? Okay, great. <laughs> Not as tall, though. Not as tall. Not as tall. No, but he's the Great blonde. singer, too. Mm. So back to your Andrew. Was there a fourth member? Yeah, Jeremiah James. Of course. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Jeremiah has now gone back and lives in, lives in New York now. He's kind of uh, producing theatre. Amazing. Yeah, he's kind of producing stuff now. I think he acts, he still does bits and pieces, but he's gone more into producing. He actually brought one of his shows over here. Do you ever wonder, like, are we doing enough? Uh, Do you ever think about producing? Do you know, it's funny. In the last year, I've thought about stepping out, not stepping out of what I do, but adding a string to the bow. It was funny. I was talking about um, a a project. (laughs) As you said string to the bow, you know right away I'm thinking of David Brent quote, philanthropist. It always comes back. I know. For those listening and wondering what this inside joke is, our age group and our time, you know, growing up yeah. in the West End and doing all the shows, all our circle of friends, our common denominator was Ricky Gervais and The Office. Yeah. To this day, I'll see Hadley Frazier. Within the first three sentences, yeah. there will be a David Brent There's a something. Well, in fact, I mean, because whenever I, <clears throat> whenever I speak to Hadley, like, which is usually over like a, a Twitter thing or some of that, it's always, it's always comes back with. It'll get there. A David Brent quote will, Sim- will be in there somewhere. Simon Lipkin's another. Yeah, loves it. Scott. Scarnham. It's just, I don't know where he ends. I don't think he knows where he ends anymore. <laughs> he's like. Because he's so good at it though. Like yes. he's so funny with it. <clears throat> But everyone, I mean, like you say, around our kind of age group, everyone, if you do a, a little, you know, the Done. teeth, the teeth thing over the lip, everyone's in. I throw it on set every now and then at yeah. Bowlby and Rosie's like, oh my don't God. do it. Yeah. We're screwed if you do it. Yeah. Oh, completely. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. You know, and like, I mean, I thought, well, I remember, oh man, I remember this is not a David Brent thing, but do you remember that time? <laughs> we are very professional, FYI, <laughs> listeners, except for sometimes, remember in Phantom, when we had, we did something during um, the mausoleum and then which turned, which went into the final. <laughs> no, this this wasn't David Brent though. No, I know it wasn't David Brent, but the, I don't know why I just thought of it because that's another thing that we, we like to do. Okay, we're going to come back to your teatral story. Oh, don't yeah. Forget. But I remember this. <laughs> yeah. Because your line was, 
Can't um, you see she'll never be yours, right? So it's something like that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, what's the scene? Can't you see she'll never um, be yours? Oh. More tricks in the show. More tricks, yeah. Uh, what is that about? Let's say it was can't, can't you see? Yeah, you did them. Can't, <laughs> let's say it's on the line. Can't you see she'll never be yours? Yeah. You did it with such conviction and you, you shook your head. It went like, can't you see she'll never be yours? And then I, I thought, I'm going to mock you back. <laughs> With all like the <clears throat> right intention. Yeah. That's right. Keep walking this way. So I, I mimicked what you did to me. Yeah. But <laughs> I think, you know, when, you, when you're in it, then you suddenly realize, did he just mock me? Yes. And then I can see your face go between, <laughs> was that Ramin or the Phantom? <laughs> but I'm, and then I can see you process this. And I'm yeah. going, I wasn't making fun. I wasn't making fun. That's what I was trying to no. tell you with my eyes. And then, and then we both turned into Colm Wilkinson. When in doubt, when in doubt, go, go to, to call. Go to the guy, and we be- and that was it. And then it, then it became a Colm Wilkinson because at that point I thought, just we got to get this scene. We have done. to just don't just because do it. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, and I'll have to discuss this off stage yeah. by going. I wasn't making I wasn't, fun of the choice. Yeah, I wasn't. it was the Phantom making fun yeah. of Raúl. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the same. We had a, a similar thing. I think I must have been really in it one day. Do you remember there was one day I spat at you? I loved it. And because you just... were, your eyes turned and you ran at me like you were going to kill me. And I was like, oh my God, I really pissed him off. I was just like doing acting. It was, and then at the end, I was acting. like, and then, <laughs> like, uh, and then at the end, I remember I said to you when the curtain came, I was like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. You were like, no, I loved it. I was like, yeah, but I just spat at your face. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. With this face, a little bit of hork <laughs> is the least of my worries. <laughs> <coughs> I also remember why I loved working with you in that final era. Um, spend your days with me, something like that, I say. At yeah. The, and then, oh, you send your lover to his death. Yeah. And I slapped you. Yeah. And you went with it. Yeah. And I remember I hit you and you went with it. And I go back, I was like, you went with it. <laughs> this is the point of no <laughs> yes. return. <laughs> but now, I'm, you know, these are so, I'm glad we got back to that, back to Phantom because they were some of the best some of the best days. We like, I remember we had such a good, well, a a good relationship anyway as friends, but also such a good working relationship. It was just like nothing was ever Mm-mm. like left untried. I kind of felt like when I, because <clears throat> of course you left before I did because you went to go and do Love Never Dies, but I kind of felt like we'd done absolutely everything we could possibly do. Yeah, and not like I didn't feel like it was ever forced or like, can we do something? Oh, it's Tuesday. Let's do something different because it's Tuesday. It was just we just. Did stuff. We had a great building to work in. And oh also God, we had great, place. we were spoiled with phenomenal Christines. Yeah. And we were all hungry to just always improve, yeah. you know, improve our craft, improve our characters, serve the show as best we can yeah. right till the final day. I had the best time. Oh, yeah. I don't talk about it much anymore because I feel like I've said all I want to say about uh-huh. the experiences publicly. And now with interviews, I just feel like I'm repeating myself. Yeah. So I don't want to be bored. Yeah. But- to well, of speak course. with you about it. Yeah, it's, it's different though, isn't it? I suppose, because that's quite, I think, because I, I never really thought about it much, but of course you must get asked about it so much because of, um, well, doing the, the 25th, doing the, the mm. thing, because of course that's on DVD for everyone to see and it's on this and it's on that, because so of course to so many people, you're the definitive phantom because that the, you, they've probably seen you more. So I guess you must get asked about it loads, whereas for me... <clears throat> I just, it's fun to talk about because it's not someone that ever really, you know, you can talk about it with, I mean, a lot of people, whenever you, 
you do stuff. You go, oh, you did Phantom. What did you do in Phantom? Oh, it was Rao. Oh, that was great. I'm like, all that stuff. So I don't get asked about it as much as I guess you do. But but yeah, like you say, I mean, we had such a good time. And my God, that cast that we had, um, you know, when we started, it was, you know, you, me, Gina Beck. Isn't she awesome? Un- unbelievable. I mean, um, Robin North as well. Yeah. We had, you know, and, you know. That's right. Wait. Oh, so you were there when they, then Robin and Layla came in? No, so. Oh, was that before you? <clears throat> that was before me. So Robin and Layla did, they, they shared. They shared and then it. Robin stayed on as alternate. She did the two and then Gina did the six. Because right. I think, because Robin, she, I think she had a baby or something. So she had, she did the two or something like that anyway. That's yeah. why she did two. But, but yeah, so it was, it was like you, you, you must, you know, me, you, me and Gina, we did the six. And of course, Robin as well. But it was such a good time. It was, um, there was some, I mean, like Gareth Snook, Barry James. Oh, I mean, if you, I mean, it was just like an incredible cast. Gareth Snook. So Gareth Snook is now my neighbor. <laughs> that's dangerous. <laughs> like, that's dangerous. But I love that man. And like, you know, the first day I met him, because it was the first day of, of Phantom rehearsals. And I just finished working with um, Tracy Bennett in Les Mis, who I became really good friends with there. Yeah. And she said, oh, now you're doing... Uh, now you're doing Phantom, you're going to meet my my best friend, Gareth Snook. And she goes, I can already see that being dangerous. <laughs> and the first day I walked up to him and I said, I said, I've been told we're going to be best friends. And he went, so have I. And I said, is this dangerous? He went, yep. I went, fine, just so we know. <laughs> well, I was a big, and I still am, a big fan of Gareth. I was a bit nervous to meet him. And uh, yeah. I was, you know, he's a phenomenal actor. Oh, my God. And for me, the 25th anniversary <clears throat> some of the stuff he did and what the camera caught. Yeah. I mean, he's guy's a genius. He's a genius. Every time I see him do the ballet, that, it just makes me howl because he's just... <laughs> I'd be laughing in the it, angel like, sometimes. I'd be like, yes. that was because he's another one where you kind of didn't know what you're going to get each night because yeah. he had that... The little, little bit of, he could yeah, do. Which is so exciting. Yeah. Because for that character, it so worked. It wasn't to make you laugh. It was because that was all comes from the character. And of course, if you drop out of character for a minute and you see Gareth doing that, mm. rather than that, which is on you, that's your fault, yeah. then it would just be funny. But 100%. he's like, the man is, I mean, such a good actor um, and such a good human. You know, I, I, I love when him. He would be on with Tim Morgan. <laughs> I was so happy not to be Raoul anymore because I was like, <laughs> yeah. how is Simon dealing with them too? <clears throat> Terrible. Well, this was, I mean, I, like, it was such a good learning curve for me, I think that, because it was, I think it, it was, that was the biggest role that I played, I think. Uh, uh, maybe it is. But that was the biggest role that I played. And I, you know, obviously I took it, I took it seriously, you know, and, and I think yeah. because, because it, there have been moments before, like past before where I hadn't taken things as serious as I should do. Cause I was like, I'm in a West End show. This is crazy. And I would treat it more as a hobby, I think, you know, mm-hmm. like, but then when I started, when people started to take me a bit more seriously, then you take yourself a bit more seriously. You I got think. a sense of responsibility of and you realize <clears throat> what we do is a gift. Yeah. You know, this is And we're super this lucky. Is, yeah. It's what we dreamed of doing. Exactly. And I, what I, when I go back to Phantom and I think, and it's, it's pure joy that I was there one contract. You yeah. Know I mean? Like one time I've played it. Yeah. But, um, any fun stuff that became a byproduct or it just happened was because we, I feel we approached it with such joy. It was yeah. a joy to go to work every day. Absolutely. So I, I always say, everything starts with the best intention. <laughs> and then I look out. I remember coming down those stairs in Masquerade. 
thank God I had a mask and a mask. <laughs> and I'm just staring, especially when Tim was on. I'm looking at Tim. I'm looking at <clears throat> Gareth. I'm like, would you just look at me? Yeah. Look at them. Look at me. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> would you just take a look? Well, that was a nice, mo- that was with back to the audience. That was quite, that was quite a fun one. It was probably good that you had that giant. Yeah. And I was just like. That trapdoor can't come any sooner, mate. <laughs> Just go. So theatrical, <clears throat> yeah. Which I got eliminated from in the round one. <laughs> I'm over it though. Yeah, fine. I can take it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to part one of my hang with one of my favorite people, actor Simon Bailey. Stay tuned for the rest of the hang in part two. Don't forget, you can connect with me at bpn.fm forward slash the hang and on Instagram and Twitter, at Ramin Karamloo. The Hang is produced by Dory Beristein and Alan Seals from the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find me online at bpn.fm forward slash The Hang. Don't forget, you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter, at Ramin Karamloo, on YouTube, a roaming Iranian, or my Facebook page, official Ramin Karamloo. Music for my podcast is by my friends in one of my favorite bands, The Dives. Please check them out at their website, thedivesmusic.com. That's thedivesmusic.com, where you can get to know them, hear their incredible music, get links to all their socials, and most importantly, their tour dates, where you can find out where you can see and hear them live. They are truly a great band, and they are phenomenal live. Check them out. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.